Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm super excited to announce a returning guest. This is Anna. We got into a bit of a discussion after our last podcast and we couldn't not share it. Anna, can you remind me what we were talking about last week? I think that there's just so much misinformation in general about autoimmune diseases and diseases that don't have a cure, really. Um, And I think what frustrates me, and I'm sure you can relate, and I'm sure that you all, I don't, I mean, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. So like, I struggle with depression and anxiety as well as having chronic conditions. And a lot of it is exacerbated from having these conditions. I think it would be difficult not to have some kind of situational depression, especially when you have like really bad flares. Um, But people will often post these memes and like I'm totally up for mental health awareness. I think that's really important, but people will post these memes like treat mental health uh, like you would treat physical health or, you know, don't be patronizing (laughs) to people, um, and tell them to just go take a walk or just, you know, um, just meditate or whatever. And your anxiety will go away. But it's like, people do say that (laughs) to people who have, and people will say like, oh, treat it like, you know, it's cancer or something. And like, I've had, um, people in my family die of cancer and people will still say the same crap (laughs) to them, you know? Um, so it's like you're asking for it to be treated differently, but it is treated, you know, the same way. Um, and, you know, there's, I think it's really interesting because my theory about a lot of this pseudoscience and a lot of people thinking that they have control over their health and they don't really have as much control over it. I think a lot of it kind of replaces religion and in a way, it like becomes a moral thing to be like, I eat clean, and so therefore, I'm not going to get sick, and I do all these right things, so therefore, I'm not going to get sick. And it's like, if you got sick, obviously, you did it, uh, you got sick because you failed somehow. Um, but I can, can take control of my health and know that I'm not going to get sick. Um, and it's interesting because I, I was watching Teen Mom, <laughs> which is one of my <laughs> guilty pleasures. And um, one of the, the girl's mothers sadly passed away from cancer. And she talked about how she had gone from being an athlete to having cancer as though that it was like some kind of anomaly. And that just because you're an athlete and you eat healthy, that you're protected from having cancer, um, which is sadly, you know, we know that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then that goes hand in hand with these pseudoscience things and people saying that they have, you know, a diet to cure lupus or, um, I, uh, I am a diet Coke super fan. Me and my partner are, <laughs> and we get people telling me all the time, diet Coke causes lupus because of something that went around on some email chain or whatever, you know, like five years ago. It's like, there's an old one that wow. keeps circulating. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, they don't really mention Crohn's disease, but they do. It's like MS, lupus, all this stuff is like supposedly caused by Diet Coke. And they always like circulate every so often. And people are always like, have you seen it? Oh my God, you need to stop drinking Diet Coke. Yeah. And, it's like- <laughs> and then everybody has their PhD in like nutrition and stuff. And you're like, can you just stop? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
So, and it's like, it's one of my biggest pet peeves, I think. And when I started doing YouTube and things like that and trying to, to talk about it, um, I would get people all the time that, that would like harass me and be like, oh, I can help you, you know, um, to cure your disease. And I'd be like, you know, I just don't want, I don't think that's responsible. I don't think it's responsible to tell people what to do with themselves. And I also don't think mm -hmm. it's responsible to promote a cure when there is none, because then you're just taking their money and their time for something that is not going to lead to anything. Um, and then I've had people will say that by me saying that these things don't work, that I hurt their feelings and things like that. And it's like, well, you know, science isn't about feelings. <laughs> no, exactly. So. Also, you're coming to me for this, you know. Exactly. Well, and I think that I, I totally agree with you because the problem is, is if, if you have a disease and it's incurable, like, I'm sorry, it's incurable. It's just, it is what it is. And right. every single person is so, so different that mm -hmm. what works, you know, like, that's why I will never, ever say to another person with Crohn's disease, oh, go vegan and, you know, don't eat processed right. carbs because that works for me, which is great. It doesn't mean that I have a hundred percent great days all the time, every day. And also right. if somebody with Crohn's disease who has it different than me tried that, they would end up in the hospital. So, exactly. you know, and that's, that's why I think that these people that come on and they say, and, and, you know, I've talked to probably every single person so far on this podcast agrees with this because they've had people, especially if they have a really big following on Instagram or on Twitter or something like that, mm -hmm. they'll have people that come to them. Oh, I have a cure for type one diabetes. Oh, I have a cure for endometriosis. Oh, I have a cure for whatever it is. Da, 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 da. And you're just like, no, you don't. And what's frustrating is you're right. They take their money. It doesn't work for them. But I think the biggest thing too, is it gives them false hope. Exactly. Exactly. Which, which isn't fair, you know, because, with, you know, especially like, as you know, with lupus and for me with Crohn's disease, it's like we deal with enough stuff on a daily basis, especially with like a lot, a lot of these diseases, they cause anxiety, they cause depression, they cause, because you lose your health. Exactly. And, you know, if someone out there, you know, and then you go on to all these medications that screw with your body and your hormones and all this other stuff to try to just manage the disease. And then someone's going to come out there and be like, oh, just eat a whole bunch of mangoes and you'll be totally fine. You're like, exactly. no, thank you. But no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or I'll have people say like, don't you want to get off all your medication? And it's like, well, yeah, but how, like, what solution do you have? You're not a doctor, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. And I just think that's so dangerous. And I've had people say before, oh, I, you know, done these diets and I've had people with lupus get off their medications. And I'm just like, that is so dangerous to say to people because mm -hmm. people can literally die from these diseases and by, you know, mismanaging it. And that's why, like you said, like, I would never tell a person with lupus, like, you know, you should ask for this medication or you should do this or, you know, whatever, because everyone, like you said, everyone's different. And, um, yeah, that's, that's my big thing is like, I can only speak from my experience. I can't tell you what to do. That's between you and your doctor. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think offering suggestions, like, you know, for me, if something worked really, really well for me and mm -hmm. someone was struggling and I said, okay, well, you know, this isn't going to, this isn't a guarantee, but this is what worked for me. Maybe you could try it and see if it helps. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I did a whole bunch of research. Actually, 
because of my disease, like I did a bunch of research and, and actually got like a certification in nutrition because I'm like, okay, oh, well, wow. this is all about my digestive system. Like I have to figure out what works and what doesn't work for me. So yeah. while I was doing all this, the interesting thing was, you know, I met a whole bunch of people with Crohn's disease that, oh my God, people that didn't even have Crohn's disease. And I've, and I've talked about this before on my podcast, but it's like, it's like all of a sudden, as soon as you tell somebody that you have XYZ disease, whatever it is, they have their PhD in nutrition and they have to say something like, oh, well, you shouldn't eat gluten then, you know? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> or, or they say something like, oh, well, you need to have a, a, a high starchy diet or blah, 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 whatever it is sort of thing. But, you know, for me, I can actually have gluten. I just can't have processed carbs. So I can make myself a loaf of bread at home, but I can't go to the store and buy a loaf of bread. That stuff will just kick my ass. And right. so what's so frustrating about that is it's kind of the same type of thing where, okay, you're not offering a cure, but you're also not offering me educated information for my body mm -hmm. type. Right. Yeah. And it's like, that's so frustrating too, because yeah, you can offer suggestions and you can say, oh, okay, well this worked for me, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't even have the same disease as me and you're telling me what to eat and how to act and where to go, it's like, go away. Like yeah, fly exactly. off the hand, you know? And so, but anyways, while I was doing like nutrition, um, studying nutrition and stuff like that, the mm. one thing that kept coming up that was so interesting and I thought it was crazy was people with cancer that would take high doses of vitamin C and mm. it would help get rid of their cancer. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. And you mm. know, I would never say to somebody though, cause number one, I've never had cancer, right? <laughs> but also you know, if I knew someone that did have cancer and they were going through chemotherapy and radiation and stuff, like I would say something along the lines of, oh, well, have you heard of this? It's supposed to help with your treatments. And also it's a method that's not going to harm you, right? Like it's just right. high dose vitamin C. Why not try it and see if it helps with your remedy and helps with your treatment and sort of thing. But that being said, it's like, you know, you don't say, oh, well, you should stop doing your chemotherapy and your radiation. Just go on high dose vitamin C. You'll be fine. You're like, okay, thanks. I didn't want to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was a girl, I don't know if you ever saw her journey. Her name was Sophia Gall. Um, and she became quite big on YouTube. She was an Australian teenager who passed away sadly of, I don't know what cancer, I think it was in her hip maybe. And, um, she chronicled her illness and at the end the last couple of videos she made were like you know pretty hard to watch as you can imagine because mm -hmm. she's quite deteriorating and um you could look in the comments and people are like oh if she goes vegan she'll just be able <sighs> to turn this around and i'm just oh like God. can you not see you know that this family is preparing to say goodbye to this 15 year old girl and these people are like just go vegan it's fine Oh my God. That's so yeah. like, that's number one. That's, that is outrageously disrespectful. Because, I agree. You know, you don't realize that these people probably tried everything like, mm -hmm. and, and even, yeah, I don't know. Like to have the, like to have, I, I don't know that that's just frustrating. I don't even have words for this. <laughs> no, it's like, like Harry Potter and the audacity of that bitch. Kind of. Yes. hundred percent. So like, 
how dare you say that while this girl is literally dying and then she did pass away like how oh yeah yeah if i were that person's parents i'd be like dev like number one you know i i just feel like anybody that has to deal with a child dying like that's just freaking devastating like my mom passed yeah. away of cancer when i was 16 and it's like mm-hmm. that was hard so enough sorry. sort of thing yeah. yeah it was a long time ago i think there's something to say though about you know the ability to heal yourself mm-hmm. um whether that's from like disease or you know, if you have cancer or if you're even just like sick or something like that and, and, and the amount of repressed emotions that you have, I think Mm -hmm. there's a bit of a connection with that because if you're able to talk about your problems and you're able to, and this is just a theory, this is like totally how I feel about this, but like, you know, for me, when I got sick, I had a lot of trauma built up and I never dealt with it properly. Like I never, like my mom passed away when I was 16 and mm. then my brother killed himself two years later. Oh my gosh. Becky. Yeah. It was so like a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and anyways, but the problem was, is I never went to therapy for it. I never properly grieved it. And then, uh, and then I started to get really sick and then mm. I was sick for like six years. They couldn't diagnose me this and that blah, blah, blah. Um, and the crazy thing was, is I was so, so, so sick for the longest time. And then I went and I went did an, I did this thing called ayahuasca and it's supposed to be like 10 years of intense psychotherapy in like a week. And it was, and I Mm. came back a different person and my Crohn's disease was like almost healed. But when I would get sick after that, my Crohn's wouldn't flare up to nearly as bad as it was before I did that. So I think that if you have like PTSD or if you have, like some type of repressed emotion and you're not dealing with it correctly. I think that the disease kind of gets worse, not to say that you're not going to get sick or if it's, and and the other thing on the other side of that too, it's like, you're not going to just, you know, go to therapy and then, you know, uh, deal with whatever you dealt with. If you were abused as a child or if you were um, like in a car accident or, or some, something, whatever. And then you go to the therapy, you deal with it. It's not going to just go away. (laughs) I just feel like when you have those repressed emotions inside, you don't have, I feel like your subconscious mind is just kind of so focused on the negative thing of that PTSD or that stress or whatever, that it can't heal your disease properly. Yeah. Kind of out to lunch with this one, but I don't know. That's kind of well, no, I, I think stress definitely has something to say about it because like I was doing quite a lot better with my pain and then the pandemic started and it was, we weren't quite sure what was going to happen with my job and what was going to happen with my partner's job. And I just really deteriorated after that. Um, and I've gotten better, I think, as mentally I've been able to kind of sort it out a bit better and kind of know more what's going on and I've taken some different medication, but I definitely think the stress of it is what set me into this, you know, new flare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is, is the whole world is stressed out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading an article because I don't know about you, but I've been having these really, really, really weird, vivid dreams recently. And I guess, yeah, I guess it's actually like a common thing because the whole world is in a heightened state of stress 
And right. I guess what happens when it's like a herd stress, you start dreaming really weird, I guess. I read an article about it. I'll have to send oh, it interesting. to you. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah. So, and then I started sending it to some of my friends and they're like, wow, I've been having really weird dreams too. <laughs> so That's interesting. I always have weird dreams, but I think it's partially because in my like day job um, and uh, like what some of the projects I have coming up are all about the Holocaust. So yeah. Yeah, you have such a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think I have, well, I've always struggled with nightmares and I think that's just a way to process that and probably to process um, my illness as well. I don't know. Do you find that like your job puts a little bit of stress on you just because it is like, so like it's, it's, it's interesting, like the history of it's amazing, but this it's very negative, like the stress of it or something. I don't know. I don't, it's people always ask me that. And I just feel like I've learned like people who study the Holocaust, I feel like a lot of us learn to compartmentalize pretty well. Um, but having said that, um, when my father-in-law passed away last year, last it was January, 2019, and it was cancer as well. And it was very long deterioration and we were seeing him every single day. And after that, I had gone to Auschwitz a couple of times and I sat down with a survivor who talked about her mother deteriorating um, while they were hiding. And it was a lot harder, I think, to be able to process things like that because you can relate to it a bit more and you're kind of going through something similar. Obviously not as traumatic, but it, it makes it that much more personal when you think of people dying. Um, and then recently I have had trouble reading about the Holocaust. Um, it's something I've tried not to focus on as much. I know some people are using the time to, to write books and things like that, but for me, I'm just trying to focus on other things because it is just like too much right now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And that makes sense too, because it's, um, it, it, that was like a world pandemic too, but in a totally different way. But yeah, I mean, like, I think that it's, it's really interesting. These people that, especially like historians and that sort of thing that, you know, research and, and talk about, cause I don't know, back in the day, like even, even medieval times and stuff like that, like it was gruesome to just think yeah. about it. And so, you know, the times that we live in are just so, so, so much different. It's, it's, yeah, it's just crazy to think about as well, but yeah, I don't know. It's, I think that the stress of everything that's happening and the stress from this whole coronavirus, it's just, I think that everybody just wants it to go away sort of thing, but kind of on the subject of pseudoscience what i worry about though is a lot of people not wanting to take the vaccine when it comes out um because mm -hmm. i've heard of a lot of people saying that they are hesitant to take it um yeah. which would cause a lot of stress obviously for people who can't take vaccines um and rely on herd immunity so i don't know i just really don't understand that type of thinking yeah, I totally agree. Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of there with you because like for me, I react really weirdly to vaccines. Like mm. I, I actually get more sick when I get them. And so I actually haven't had my flu shot in a long time. Mm. Um, and so it'll be interesting for me when they do come out with the vaccine because I'm going to have to talk to um, 
I'm going to have to talk to my, my GI doctor and be like, okay, well, what's my, what's the best option here? Right. But you know, there are so many people out there that are like anti-vaxxers and, you know, that don't agree with what the vaccine is. And then of course, all the conspiracy that's out there now too, with like, oh, well, Bill Gates made this and now it's just a way to control the population and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, well, that's, it's so hard people thinking like that because there's, yeah, okay. They might be right. They might be. But what if you're not? What if you're wrong? Which you probably right. are wrong. Like, and I and I can't. Like, I don't have all the answers. I don't think anybody has all the answers. If you are right, well, then I guess we're all just cheap. I guess if like some people, whatever they're called. But at the same time, too, if you don't get the vaccine and then you get the coronavirus and you go around someone that can die from it, well, now you're kind of a murderer. So what would you rather? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. I've had to like unfriend a couple of people who I went to university with who actually thought they were intelligent people, but it turns out that they're completely anti-vax. And one of them is super anti-vax, always posting about this stuff. And then she got into some kind of argument with a friend of mine. And most of my, like, this is someone obviously I'm not super close to since university. And most of my friends are pro-vax, obviously. Um, because I just really have very short patience for things like that. Um, but what got to me is not only is she like spreading all that shit, but then she was upset that people were being forced to wear face masks. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, are you just determined to spread as much of your like bacteria That's everywhere? Ridiculous. I just, I don't understand. That's so frustrating. Hmm. And and it's so and it's so hard too because as people that you know, you're it's it's like one end of a spectrum to the other end, but then it's yeah. that whole line of thinking where you're just like, I I think that for me like, I I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I have to talk to my doctor to see what's best for me, which is fine. Right. But I'm not gonna go out there and blurb it to people being like, oh, I'm not gonna get the vaccine because it's it, this is all conspiracy. This isn't actually happening. And I think that right. that's so important for everybody else because, you know, I understand that you, okay, fine. You're an anti-vaxxer. You don't wanna vaccinate your kids. You wanna spread disease. You wanna do this, whatever. That's fine. That's you. Mm-hmm. Don't post it on your social media you know, because that's fake news. Like it's, and I don't know why people are so determined to do that because of the fact that the, the information that you're sharing, it might be right, but it might be wrong and the wrong people might see it. Yeah. And then that's damaging. I agree. I agree. And there's so much, I think there's been a lot of loss of trust in experts and in the medical industry or medical fields and things like that. And people thinking that everything is one big conspiracy and that people that people have lupus because their doctors gave them medication to give them lupus. <laughs> and then, I mean, I'm sure you've heard so like people. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's more of an American thing because we pay for our healthcare. So it makes more sense for like, I mean, the conspiracies are so stupid, but I guess it makes more the line of thinking. You can follow it a bit better. Um, because you have to like get paid to the doctors get paid to, you know, do these things. So people will say like (laughs) doctors give you medication that have side effects so that you can then take more medication to mitigate the side effects. And it's like, well, you know, that is true in one regard, but they're not going to give you, you know what I I mean? (laughs) And at one point this 
I have had a lot of issues with a, a particular person who I only know through the internet. Um, but so I'm sure you know that Selena Gomez has um, lupus and she had her a kidney transplant, which happens to some people with lupus. And so she came out with her story and a friend of mine um, and I were posting about it on Twitter. And this woman jumped in and was like, oh, it's so sad when doctors do needless tra- like organ transplants. And we were like, what? Like, how do you wow. have any idea anything about her case or anything? Why? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I mean, maybe there are like a very small fraction of doctors that will do it because they want money or because they're just evil people. Like there's that whole doctor death podcast yeah. or whatever, but that's like one in a million. And like most responsible doctors are not going to put someone up someone's body under that stress just Mm. to make money because that's so like you have to take the Hippocratic oath you know that's like so unethical it has to be that the benefits outweigh the the consequences well and I think I think there's so much of that out there too that you know I think there, especially actually like just doing this podcast I've been talking to so many people that are just so frustrated with their doctors because they get misdiagnosed for so long and yeah. it's hard to place the blame on the doctor by themselves because they could have been anything like it's just it could be ignorance it could be you know maybe they thought it was something else or maybe you just have a really weird case like for me I got misdiagnosed for years because I was missing the one key symptom of Crohn's and so uh, okay um, but, and, and, and it was my fault too, because instead of going out and seeking out, you know, while I was getting referred to see all these specialists and I never got referred to go see a GI specialist, maybe it was on me. Maybe I should have gone to see a different doctor to get a second opinion, for example. So, mm. you know, I understand that doctors can be frustrating and, you know, you go into the doctors and sometimes it, you know, they're on their phone, literally Googling your symptoms sort of thing. Yeah. But they're under a lot of stress too, because the population versus the amount of doctors is so huge. So, you yeah. know, you see 20, 30 people in a day, of course, you're going to come and get all these like a, a, like a smorgasbord, if you will, of like patients. So, you know, okay. and, and it's like for that person to say that on Selena Gomez's transplant, you know, that doctor, most cases, it's like what you say, did that her own health for her well-being to get her better that it's just frustrating because that person that commented that is like okay are you a surgeon are you a doctor you damn well better have your phd in something for you to say something like that because if you don't you have zero credibility and you're also causing damage online and i think that's one of the problems with social media nowadays is people it's really easy to put a comment online and hide behind it it's really easy to do that and everyone's opinion is supposed to carry the same weight. And then people will say things like, oh, to say that I'm practicing pseudoscience is bullying me or it's, it hurts my feelings or whatever. But I just, I don't understand why people think that they are at the same level as doctors because it's like mm-hmm. people sometimes will tell me like, oh, you're not that smart just because you have a PhD. And I'm like, well, I'm not purporting to be, I'm purporting to be an expert in one subject. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm an expert all over and I would never like tell a physician like no you're wrong about this or you shouldn't have performed that surgery or you should you know because it's like I have no idea I don't know what I'm talking (laughs) about 
Yeah. But then at the same time, like, you know, if I tweet something, someone who has no historical background can tweet something and start a conspiracy theory. And, you know, it's supposed to hold equal weight, I guess, for some reason. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous because like, I don't know. I try to not comment on anything at all ever just because someone's going to comment on that. And then it's just like a roller coaster of he said this thing, this said that said, whatever. You're yeah. going to have your opinion. They're going to have their opinion. And that's why, especially when it comes to chronic disease and especially when it comes to someone that's in pain, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that when, when people post things online about their progress, about their chronic illness, about what they're going through, about their, st- like what they're trying and this and that, they're not looking to get oh, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. No, they're looking right. for support. They're not looking for answers. You know? Exactly. exactly. And I think that's where that gets missed quite a lot because of the fact mm-hmm. that people have to be right. They have to have, oh, well, you know, this is what cured me. And, and especially people that have a lot of followers online and, and that, that post their illnesses um, publicly because – I can only imagine how many people comment on them and be like, oh, well, CBD is the be all end all for Crohn's disease. And, and it's like, it's not what works for you works for you. That's great. But what works for me works for me. And I'm grateful because of the fact that I figured out what I can do to be okay. Like I'm not on medication right now, but I'm Mm -hmm. in remission because number one, it took a damn long time. But number two, I really worked hard at trying to figure out what works for me. And I'm not going to go online and post everything. It's like, okay, here's what worked for me. Great. It's the people for whatever reason, for income, for, I don't know, to feel better for themselves or whatever it is that go on there and say, okay, well, if you have, like, if someone had Crohn's disease and they're like, oh, well, you have to have a meat and potatoes diet. And if I actually took that to heart five, six, seven years Mm -hmm. ago, when I was really sick, I would be even more sick because I can't eat meat. Like I just can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, but it's, so it's that thought pattern. It's like, okay, well, why do people do this? Why? Yeah. It's hard to say. I think a lot of it, like, like I said at the beginning, it goes back to feeling in control of your own health and feeling like you can, like, you know, back in medieval times, if you were sick, it was because you did something like morally repugnant or you sinned against God or you did something, you know, you, you had bad thoughts or something so people can say okay well obviously this person did xyz so i'm not going to do that so i'm just gonna you know it's their fault that they're sick and i feel like it's like a new kind of way to interpret that same thing um but just this time it's like with eating and with i don't know exercise maybe and it's not that i'm saying that like you shouldn't eat well or you shouldn't exercise obviously I think those things are important but they're not going to solve all of your problems no I agree with you I think that it'll definitely help like if you have a I think I mentioned this in one of my earlier podcasts but you know if you're on treatment for your disease and it's supposed to help you but then you're going and having Burger King three times four times a week well you're going to make yourself worse because that's food that's not nutritious for you And, you know, if you look at food being the energy that you need to survive, well, you should be having the most nutrient dense foods that are out there. Like, and that's going to kind of help with your treatment. And I think Mm -hmm. that's how like 
people need to think. It's like medication's not a bad thing. Medication's out there to make you better, to heal your body. Exactly. Um, you know, and especially when when it's so hard to pinpoint, okay, well, why am I flaring? You could do all the right things and still get a flare up. It's kind of like what you said yeah. at the beginning. It's like, you could be the healthiest person on the planet and you can still get cancer. It's just the ways of the world. Yeah. I think just like the fact that people have to realize that they're not in control as, as in control as they think they are. I think that's a really scary thing for some people to realize. And so they don't. <laughs> Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that when you lose your health for the very first time and you get that diagnosis, it's like the whole world is collapsing on your shoulders. It's like, what, yeah. what do I have? And, yeah. and, and then being able to kind of almost submit to the fact that you're going to need medication. It's like, that's hard. It's yeah. really hard to, you know, and that was something that I struggled with for years to not be able to, like, I, I never understood. I always thought to myself, like, why do I have to be on this medication? It makes me yeah. sick. I hate it. And, and for what this disease, like, why do I have this disease and other people don't have this disease? Why? And yeah. that ate away at me, but it's the, it's the ability to let that thought pattern go. And like, I, I just could not. And then finally, when this medication was like, it wasn't working for me, I'm just like, okay, bye. I'm just going to try this on my own now. And thankfully yeah. for me, it worked out. And I'm not saying to anybody out there to stop taking their medication because that's what medication is there for. It's there to help you. Right. And, and yeah, yeah it's, it's being able to let go of that control and see if you have like, let go of the control and put your trust in the medication and put your trust in your doctors as well. Yeah. Yeah. I actually played with some of my medication when the coronavirus started because some of my medication makes me more vulnerable. So I tried to go down on it, which um, my doctors have tried to have me do before because it is like so strong. Um, but I always just feel like really crappy. So I just, I tried again to go down, but like I would never advise someone to, to do that, especially because I did it without asking my doctor again. So I would never get on and say, oh yeah, this is what you should be doing, you know, because yeah, that's, that's not good. <laughs> I don't think. Well, and I think that as, so like you've had lupus for a long time and you've been taking mm -hmm. the same medications for a long time too. So you have a pretty good understanding as to how the medication works, how it's going to work with your body. And so, you yeah. know, for you to be able to do that, okay, you kind of know the side effects, you know, the risks associated with it and that sort of thing. But yeah, for, I mean, and I did that too. Like when I was on prednisone, oh my God, I hated that drug so oh, much. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. And I went from, so I was on 40 milligrams and I went, I was like, I don't want to take this anymore. And it's actually apparently really dangerous to just stop taking prednisone. And I did. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> and so yeah, it was not okay. But you know, you live and learn, whatever. It made me really sick afterwards. But when I was dealing with like Remicade, for example, and I had um, all these other different medications, I was on them for a long time and I knew how they were working for me as well. It's like when you get really sick, you take a little bit more. When you're a little bit better, you take a little bit less. And But for somebody that's totally new with these medications and they don't know how they're working and it's so hard to, number one, be able to take the medication on a regular basis when 
you're 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 almost in shock when you get diagnosed with a chronic disease, right? Right. And then and then these medications are causing all these side effects and you don't want to take them and your brain just goes into this spiral and then of course it causes depression because you're in such a shocked negative state of mind. It's just yeah. It's so scary. And then of course, then you go online and you post it on social media and then someone comments, oh, well, you know what you need to do? You need to have some more kale in your diet, honey. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Because you have a lot of followers on Instagram. Do you get a lot of people that comment on on your posts with like, oh, you should try this for lupus and that sort of thing on yours? Um, Well, for a long time, I didn't really talk about my health. um, And so... I didn't really get anything when I wouldn't open up about it. But now that I have started to open up again, yeah, I do get pretty much almost every day somebody will send me something. um, And it varies from become a Christian and trust in Jesus to (laughs) drink this weird solution that this person in this random place has created or join this MLM and you'll (laughs) be cured of lupus. I mean, it just, yeah, it pretty much runs the gamut. Um, But I just, if it's not public or if the person comments and it's not someone I know, which 99% of the time it's not, I just delete Mm -hmm. the comment and I block them and it's just not, it's not worth it to, to fight about it or anything. And it's also not worth keeping on there because if your other followers see that and if somebody else has lupus and they're like, oh, well, this person said this, it's like, you know, that's dangerous on your social media to have that too. So that's so funny about the Jesus thing. I mean, like everybody's entitled to their own opinion and their own beliefs and that sort of thing. But it's like, do not come and tell me that Jesus is going to save me when I have a chronic disease and like why did this happen to begin with? Because Jesus hates me? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Like, (laughs) exactly. And like, they don't really know anything about me. So, I mean, I could be, I could already be like Christian or something and they're like, oh, trust in Jesus. And it's like, well, I already do, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so frustrating. And, and yeah. I don't know. I don't understand people sometimes. It just makes me angry. (laughs) I don't either. I mean, I think a lot of it's like money making schemes, but of course there are people that genuinely believe it. So. Yeah. And I think that like, there are so many different like network marketing companies out there too, that there's a company for literally everything. And I was actually, I was talking to, um, what was, um, who was I talking to about this? It was a little while ago, but anyways, it's almost like we have, so you remember in the early 1900s where they have those carts and it's like Jasmine's like magic elixir. Yeah. And it like gets rid of all your problems, whatever. And it's like, now we have that, but it's in the form of a network marketing company. Exactly. Yeah. It's so funny. (laughs) Or somebody who's like, I have these like magic smoothies or I have this, you know, I have this Mm -hmm. perfect diet that everyone can, you know, try and cure all their diseases. Um, I think one of the worst things that we had actually was when I lived in New York City, I was part of a lupus support group and there were probably about like four or five of us that would meet up. And these two women came and one of them said, oh, my sister has lupus. And so we're like, okay, you know, like, because sometimes we would like have, like my mom came a couple of times and, you know, some other people's like siblings or whatever came because they, you know, they need support too. So we're like, oh, okay, yeah, you can, you know, come and join the group. And the whole time she was like, 
doing a pitch um, for a retreat that she wanted to create that would cure people of lupus. Um, and she was so frustrated because her sister had lupus, but she wouldn't um, go off all her medications and do this retreat oh that God. she wanted to do. Um, and we were all like really young at the time. I think, I think I must've been like 22 or 23 and I think everyone else was as well. And so we weren't maybe as assertive as we would have been. Cause like now I don't, I don't care. I would have just been like, you're an idiot. Like you shouldn't have wasted our time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But back then we were just like, oh, okay. And then, so I ended up sending her like a really strong, strongly worded email. <laughs> and we never saw her again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, but the thing is, is like, if she doesn't have lupus, yeah, she shouldn't be saying anything. Like exactly. You know what I mean? If I went out and I said, you know, I did ayahuasca and it worked great for me and I want to get six people with Crohn's disease to come and try it out and just try it, you know, but yeah, I've tried it before and it worked great for me. And that being said, I think everybody should try ayahuasca because it's very odd. Like it, it's very eye opening to your own body. It's just like a whatever. But well, that yeah. being said, it's like, you know, I'm not going to go off to somebody that has like, like for you, it's like, Anna, you have lupus. You should try ayahuasca because it worked great for me, but I have Crohn's disease. What? That doesn't work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Wait, when you say ayahuasca, do you mean like the drug from Peru? Or is it from Peru? Yeah. Or? Well, okay. I it in Mexico. It's like, it's like a man-made okay. tea actually. But yeah, it's, okay. um, it's pretty interesting. I did a retreat in 2000 and I don't know, 12, 2013, something like that. It was a while ago mm -hmm. now. But the guy that was the shaman, he actually lives in BC, mm -hmm. like pretty close to me, which is really weird. Um, okay. And so like the reason I went down there was because I went down with a doctor and his name is Dr. Gabor Mate, and he wrote a book called When the Body Says No. And it mm -hmm. talks about that whole theory, like, you know, if you have repressed emotion, your body says no, and it starts attacking itself, basically. And that's basically how autoimmune diseases are caused. Now, I don't right. fully believe in that theory as a whole, because I believe that, like, for me, for example, there have been studies out there that indicate that Crohn's disease is actually not just an autoimmune disease, but it's an immune compromised disease, which is, I'm not saying that right. But anyways, it basically means that you're born with a faulty immune system. So right. that's not something that you did. It's just something that is, it is what it is. So right. um, I read his book and he was doing these ayahuasca retreats and he does like, he had done, I don't know, like so many of them, like crazy amounts of them. And so um, my stepmom actually told my dad about it or something like that. And then, so I went down and I did it and I was kind of nervous because one of the books that he wrote about was about like addiction and about like, um, what is it? Like people that have like meth addictions and, and that sort of thing. And so I thought I was going to go down there and there's going to be all these like addicts and it was going to be really scary, but it wasn't, they were all like normal people. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I went by myself too, which was kind of scary. So I was in the oh, middle gosh. of the jungle, nowhere, all by myself, like didn't have cell coverage. Uh, and anyway, so I did three ceremonies and, and the weird thing was like, I'm not really good at talking about my feelings in a group setting like if I'm talking to one person and like now I'm okay talking about my feelings like like I'll talk to you about 
stuff or whatever. But like, right. but back then, like I was still in that state where I didn't talk about my feelings and I didn't talk about how I was doing and this and that. And so you did a ceremony and the next day you talked about your feelings and talked about your experience and that sort of thing. And I just passed every single time. So I think I missed out on some of the therapy, but the nice thing was like the first night you have to go in with these intentions. And mm. I was really nervous. Like I had no idea how, like what it was going to do, how, what was going to happen, nothing. And so you have to go in with these intentions. And so I went in with the intention of like having more self-compassion towards myself and like whatever. And I talked about this a little bit before in one of my previous podcasts, but like, I feel like back then I didn't have a lot of love for myself for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it was just all the trauma and like whatever. It was crazy because it definitely is a drug. It felt like I was on like MDMA and acid at the same time. (laughs) Gosh. And like, I just remember laying on the, so it was outside too. And so I just remember laying on where we did the ceremonies and just looking at the trees. And then all of a sudden the breeze went by and all the trees, like all the leaves went rainbow colored. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) And so, but anyway, so it lasted about six hours. Like it was a long time. And like your brain goes in all which directions. It was really interesting, but it was crazy because the next morning, I had this overwhelming sense of love for myself. It was crazy. And I've never experienced it before. Yeah. And then that's insane. Yeah. And then two days later, I did my second ceremony and nothing happened. Like I didn't feel anything at all. And Hmm. the shaman came over and he wanted to work on my stomach. And so it was really weird because all of a sudden he was literally like pulling the disease out from me. Like, okay. He got really sick. And I didn't feel anything. Like I didn't feel that high. I didn't feel anything at all. I actually fell asleep, which is super not common for that. So then like, and then the next day, my Crohn's disease was almost gone. Like it was crazy. Like I didn't have any pain. I didn't have any bloating. I didn't have anything. It was nuts. And then the third ceremony was like super, super, it was like the most probably powerful one, I guess. Like it was on, we did it on a beach and anyways, I went in there I can't remember what the, what my intention was at all, but whatever. And, and actually the doctor came to me beforehand and he's like, you haven't been sharing like what's going on. You need to start talking about your experiences. Da, 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 da. Tomorrow morning, you're going to just talk to like two or three people that you've met here and just talk about your experience. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So I picked three people. It was him, some girl that um, I connected with, and then some other guy that I connected with as well. But it was crazy because that ceremony, I forgave my brother for committing suicide. And I also let go of the fact that my mom had passed away from cancer. And so all of a sudden, the next day I had this huge, I had all this love for myself. My Crohn's disease was gone. And I had this huge weight lifted from my shoulders from the, this horrible thing that had happened in my teens. And so like, when I say that ayahuasca is amazing, like it literally changed my life. And the doctor looked at me the next day and he was like in total shock because I looked like a different person. Wow. So yeah, it was super powerful. And like, I think that everybody, like, that's what I mean by, I think everybody should just try it. Just, yeah. just to be more understanding towards themselves. But it's right. also dangerous because you see, like there have been times where people do ayahuasca in Peru and they've been robbed and stuff like that. Like it's pretty, yeah. you just have to make sure that you have a reputable place to go do it. But it was definitely life-changing for me. And oh, so wow. after I came back to Canada, after doing the ayahuasca trip, um, my Crohn's disease was like 96 or 97% better. Like I only had a small amount of inflammation left. And then um, any, like I said, any other 
flare up that I got after that, it never got that bad again. It just, it got a little bit bad. And then I would just go and get some more medication. And a lot of the times, actually, when I would flare up, it was because of the fact that medications weren't working properly or, or because my insurance didn't go through and I couldn't pay for the medication or, or something along those lines. Like it never had anything to do with like my, like stuff that was going on with me. It had everything to do with medications and changing medications and that sort of thing. It was really weird. That is yeah. weird. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I saw that um, Chelsea Handler today, the comedian, she did an um, episode where she did ayahuasca, I think in Peru. She had like a realization as well. She had some realization about the way that she treats her sister and like their relationship and stuff. And she was like crying um, mm-hmm. about it, which I guess is like, you know, something that you're, that is happens when people have I take it. But then the thing that made me scared to take it is that they were saying that people can get like really sick and start throwing up and like having diarrhea on it. But it doesn't sound like that happened to you. No. So that's like the purge part. Like that's about like, like I definitely cried, but I didn't have like, I was worried about that too because they, and the guy, so really weird actually in the third ceremony that we had, like they put buckets in front of you because of the fact that you purge. Like, and there were, there, there actually weren't, I don't think that there, I think there's maybe one or two people that threw up, like really not that many. And like, I think it's just like a risk. The guy next to me, it was crazy because of the third ceremony, he was throwing up like hard, hard in his bucket. And it actually sounded like he was throwing up. But the next morning, because like curiosity kills a cat, I guess, but I looked in his bucket and there was nothing there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck? Like, it, was I just like tripping balls or something? <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So, but then he, he said like, no, like it felt like I was throwing like, and anyway, so I guess it's like inner demons and stuff like that, that they talk about in terms of like purging. And um, I don't know, I never got like the diarrhea or anything like that either, but thank right. God I was so nervous about that. I'm like, please don't make me throw up in front of these people. Please. No. <laughs> Yeah, especially with Crohn's, I'd be like really scared. To do yeah, because yeah. all that. So yeah, no, it was life changing, and and I mean anybody that's out there that's like interested in trying it, like I, uh, that the guy that I see, his name is Ronan or something like that. Anyways, his name is actually Dave, and he's out in BC here. But it's um, and they actually do ayahuasca retreats in BC here every once in a while too. It's actually not, don't think it's technically legal in Canada yet, but um, okay. They do it anyways. I actually want to do another one just because it was so interesting. I feel like after a few years, you just need to like re-experience, you know, your inner self. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. A friend of mine actually did it in England as well. I don't know about the legality of it, but it was a girl I used to live with. She told me that she did it. Like her friend is a super huge hippie and she's like, come do ayahuasca with me. And she's like, she's one of those people that's like, well, okay. And so she said she did and that she ended up like crying about how much she loves her daughter. She has a really young Mm -hmm. daughter. Um, but so I guess her realizations were maybe about like worrying about being a good parent or something. I don't know, something that everyone who's a parent probably has. I think that it's pretty special. Like if you, I think that anybody with like PTSD should do it. I think that it's just, I don't know. There are so many different holistic things out there that help with disease and help with illness and especially pain too. And this was just one that worked really well for me. Um, They're actually, interestingly enough, so BC, I don't know what it is about this province, but like (laughs) they are like the drug testing capital of the world. And so (laughs) they started doing these, this testing for people like 
with PTSD that had gone overseas in, at, in the war. Mm-hmm. And they actually did really low doses of MDMA to overcome that PTSD and it works. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so, but anyways, it's like for people that are suffering with chronic disease, it's like, don't, for, if I could give any advice out there for anybody, it's like, don't just rely on your medication if it's not working. Like do your research yeah. to find holistic methods that might help for you, whether that's Definitely. ayahuasca or having a better diet or, or trying like these different vitamins and minerals that are out there and that sort of thing. But like, you know, as long as they're not going to harm you, they're just going to help you sort of thing. Yeah. And that's like my thing as well. When people think that when I'm like anti-pseudoscience, they think I'm like, oh, you should just eat all red 40 and just eat a bunch of like McDonald's. And it's like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like, you know, I'm saying that, you know, some people find that going to a chiropractor helps. And some people say that's pseudoscience and some people say, you know, doing acupuncture helps and, you know, whatever. And like, that's fine. Just as long as you're not relying on that alone. Yeah. Exactly. I think that it's like a combination of things. Like you gotta, it's almost like the stock market. You gotta just put all your eggs like in different baskets so that you make money and then don't put all your eggs in one basket is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There are just so many things out there that, you know, that help people. And, and, you know, I know that I know one of my friends back in Ottawa, he does not like he has Crohn's disease and he solely relies on marijuana and medical marijuana and he he's fine. And he hasn't had to take treatments or anything like that for probably 10 years. And oh, that, wow. well, that works for him. But I, yeah. but for me, like, it doesn't work for me. Whatever. Yeah. It is for this sort of thing. But like, at least trying these different things and then just, you know, ignore those awful people online too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've tried, have you tried CBD? Yeah. So I find, I, f- I feel like for me, it doesn't really have the same effects as people like I I don't know what it is I I never I didn't find that it worked for me yeah I had the same experience um I didn't really understand the legality of it here but um and since like I'm an immigrant I try to keep and I don't have citizenship yet I try to keep on my like p's and q's so I'm not gonna do anything illegal but our pharmacy was selling CBD um and it was like, it may work. Like we, you know, they're like, we can't make any claims for it, but like, you know, it could help. And so many people are like, oh my God, you know, I, someone was on their deathbed of cancer and, you know, they use it instead of taking morphine or whatever. And so I tried it for my pain and I was like, really? Somebody <laughs> who's dying of cancer used this instead of morphine? I was like, okay. <laughs> Cause I didn't, yeah, I didn't find really much relief either. Yeah. And I find that like from the studies that I've read, the amount of CBD that you can get over the counter is just not nearly enough that our bodies actually need to do anything beneficial. Like apparently if you get like, like for example, a CBD pen that has 10 milligrams of CBD, apparently you need something closer to 500 milligrams of CBD for it to be super beneficial for like pain, for example. And so, you know, I just think that there's a lot of studies out there that might be wrong or that might have the wrong information and any other thing too is i'm not i'm not a freaking doctor in medical marijuana this is just stuff that i've read and for me i i don't know i have a cbd pen actually right beside me and i never use it because it doesn't do anything i'm like is it gonna make me tired soon nope (laughs) exactly (laughs) 
Yeah, and the CBD here, it was, like, so expensive. It was, like, a tiny mm-hmm. little bottle, and it was, like, yeah. 35 pounds or something. And then oh I used, like, way too much at first. And I was, like, I just used almost half the bottle. And I was, like, I can't afford <laughs> that. <laughs> like, no. I think that's the other reason why I don't do it, too. It's because it's so freaking expensive. Like, yeah. you order some stuff online. And, like, I, I – okay, valiant effort last year. I probably spent about $600 on, on CBD oils and, like oh, – wow. Like some with like THC and some with CBD and some with a mixture of whatever it is sort of thing. Because last year I was still on treatment. I was still trying to figure things out and this and that. And I, I valiant effort. But anyways, I still have half the bottles because they don't work. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. And it works for some people, like, which is great. And I'm happy that it works for some people. I'm just not one of those people, unfortunately. Yeah. And well, I come from California originally, and so, of course, marijuana is legal completely, um, like THC, CBD, like everything. And when we were in California last, so we went for a friend's wedding, and we stayed in San Francisco for a bit, and there was a dispensary down the street. And I've heard, like, some CBD isn't as good as other CBD, and, like, maybe you need some with, like, THC and blah, blah, blah. So I was going to go get some, like, gummies or something, and then I was just like, you know what? I don't want to find out that this works, and then I can't use it back in England, and I can't take it back to England. Oh, 100%. You know, that sounds so stupid, but I was like, I mean, I would be like so devastated if I took it and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. But it's like, I can't even put it in my suitcase and take it back. So I'm just going to have to wait. (laughs) Oh, that's so frustrating. I know it's the same thing here in BC. Like even before it was like legal in Canada, like I remember going to Vancouver and like, I don't know, 2014, 2015 or something like that. And people would just be smoking joints down the street. You're like, this is, this is normal. This is weird. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just like, I don't know. It's a normal thing. And here in BC anyways, I guess we're just like the hippie capital of Canada. So. (laughs) No, it's true. And I mean, like when I grew up in California too, like, I mean, people were doing it all the time, like before it was legalized and there's just not the same culture really here in England. Like obviously there are people who do it, but it's not you know, it's not the same to the same extent. Yeah. yeah I find like, I grew up in Ottawa and, uh, Ottawa is the capital of Canada and, uh, mm. it was not definitely not as prevalent there as it is out here for sure. Like everybody mm. smokes weed here. It's ridiculous. It's just changed so much over the past, like call it 30 years, but it's yeah. like, yeah, there's still the stoners out there that just get high and just love it and that sort of thing, which is totally fine. It's just, it's a, it's less harmful than alcohol, number one. Oh God, but yeah. the other thing too, it's like, you know, you take it for pain, you take it for relaxation. Like people take it for, my girlfriend, Taylor, she takes, um, she smokes weed because of the fact that she has such, such bad anxiety. She can't sleep. Mm. Yeah. If she didn't have that. It's like. But that's great. If that works for you, that works for you. Awesome. High five. My partner, though, unfortunately, makes him have more anxiety, um, which does to some people. But then the people who are like obsessed with marijuana are like, that's not possible. And it's like, well, obviously it's possible. Because <laughs> like for some people, it's just, you know, everyone's brain's wired a bit differently. So you just react that's to things differently. To yeah. Really? I, yeah. Like if I get too much THC, then I mm-hmm. get like my heart goes really fast and I like, get all like anxious and paranoid. I actually had like, I don't know if there was something in it, but when I was I think 22 or 23, um, I, I think we had, there was like a vape pen or something like that. And there has THC in it. And I actually like 
had almost like an allergic reaction to it. I, I started bringing oh, wow. in hives and like I had like, it felt like my throat was closing. And the person that I was with is like, no, like there hasn't been any studies done that marijuana, anybody's allergic to marijuana. So this is all in your head. Like you're, and I'm like, no, like I'm pretty sure my throat, and you're like, they were like, no, 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 you're just panicking. Like, just, just take some deep breaths. I'm like, I literally can't take me to the hospital. <laughs> well, the thing is like, it's like, it circles back to the vaccine thing where people are like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it has to be a hundred percent safe. But like people are, there's someone who's allergic to you know, anything that you can think of. I'm sure there's someone who's allergic to like Tylenol or someone who's allergic yeah. to, actually when I was younger, I used to throw up Tylenol. So I was like intolerant to it. And you know, somebody's got to be allergic to chocolate or like, you know, whatever. And there's yes. nothing that a hundred percent of people are going to be able to ingest without some risk. Oh, a hundred percent. And I'm sorry to say it, but it's like our population is just too damn high for people to not be allergic to something. Like, yeah, you know, it's like the the, the people out there that are what are they called? Like the glass people that are allergic to everything and they break their bones on everything sort of thing. It's oh like yeah. People out there like that. It's, you know, I just feel like there's a lot of ignorance out there. And so people just believe one thing when they read it. And so it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is the elixir. That's going to be so beneficial for this blah, 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 blah. And then people just believe that, that one thing, Oh, this has got to be the thing for me sort of thing. And, and don't do any other research. And, and I, I hate to say it, but I used to be that that type of person. It's like, Oh, this is the be all end all. I'm going to try that. And then of course now, because of the fact that over years of experience of things not freaking working now, yeah. I do a lot of research and I educate myself on things before you know, before number one, putting it into your body, because that's just dangerous. Um, But also, you know, because people just don't have the answers for everything. They just don't have, you know, you can be the smartest person on the entire planet, and you still don't have the answers for everything. And it's just the way that it is. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that's hard for some people to accept. Yeah. And, and, you know, we just don't have control over how the world, like, the world is a strange place. And it's like, you could be, like we said, it's like, you could be the healthiest person on the planet and then, you know, die of cancer or like, you know, God forbid you're the healthiest person on the planet and you're a great soul and this and that. And then all of a sudden you just get in a car accident and that's the way, that's it. That's the way you pass away. And it's just like, we just don't have yeah. control over life period. Yeah. So you can just let go yeah. and just try to be happy. I think that's the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, we're going to have to end it at that. I hope that we gave you a bit of advice, a bit of insight, and a little bit more information about some different holistic methods, different things to try, people to talk to, you know the drill, whatever. Anna, thank you so much again for your time and your advice and coming back on the show again. It has been lovely. It was really great talking to you. And that's all for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. As always, it's been a pleasure. Stay classy. Stay classy.